greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, it's such a privilege to have been invited to come this side. And then we appreciate Brother Hannes for the invitation. Uh, I think uh, last time when he was in Whitbank, it must have been two years back. And we had a good time with him. He's such a blessing. Amen. And then we came along with uh, Sister Maria, you know. God has put Sister Maria as God's billboard there in Weedbank. Uh, her name has become synonymous with Weedbank when you mention Weedbank along the message lines. Amen. Amen. And I'm glad to see Brother Mpo. Uh, we come back a long, long way. Uh, we know each other when we were still boys. Amen. Amen. May God richly bless him. And I'm glad to be here. Uh, I still believe that we can never outlive the message. I believe we can never outlive God's messenger. God's messenger will be relevant till we go home. Hallelujah. Um, I know a lot has happened, but this message will stand to the test of time. And uh, I was just thinking when I got an invitation from the Brother Hannes, that these days it's not quite easy to invite people to come and preach to your people because of a lot of interpretations that are there in the message. But uh, I'm still belonging to the old school. Say what the tapes say. So uh, I'm not here to impress. I'm here to express what God has laid in my heart. Amen. Uh, if we can just stand for the reading of the word, and then we'll turn to the book of Exodus. As Brother Hannes indicated, I'm traveling with my wife and our daughter. Uh, the third born, the two boys are not here. Amen. Exodus. Uh, chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. Uh, I don't know whether we can read it together from the screen. Uh, we can start. And Moses... That's 14. Amen. 
I, I think you pick it up that just saying God has sent me was not enough. Amen. It had to be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, I'm just going to speak on a very simple subject. Who is God? Amen. Hallelujah. And then let this is this is where God was declaring his identity. Let us turn to the book of Acts seventeen, verse twenty-three. As Paul came across certain people there that were worshiping. That's Acts 17, verse 23. It's over there. Uh, you can help us and let's read it together once more. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Amen. we have read a portion of a scripture. Amen. Any man with a reasonable degree of literacy can read. Amen. But we have come to know that reading is not enough. Amen. Unless the author is invited to come and reveal his own way. I'm standing here before your people. You know them better than I know them because you called them and you are their maker. And this morning, I will just be speaking the word and Lord, help me to step aside so that you can have the preeminency this morning. And Lord, if there is anyone that is sick and afflicted in the building, touch them and make them whole. Lord, we just want, when we come to the end of this service, when we have come here for should be a shift. Brother Brenham says we normally don't come here for a social gathering, Amen. but we come here for a preparation, Amen. knowing that any time we can go home. Amen. Help us, Heavenly Father, and prepare us in the manner that you see fit and speak in an unhindered manner. We are listening, dear God, as we commit to the reading of the way to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. While you take your seats. Amen. Just a, a couple of minutes, I'm just going to speak on this subject. Who is God? Hallelujah. You know, sometimes as we, we grow up, Sometimes as we, we read and learn along the life's journey, you know, growing up robs you of an opportunity to ask certain questions. And this morning somebody could say, but why would you speak on a subject of who is God? Everyone should know who God is. Hallelujah. But I don't know how many of you have realized since you came into the message that things that we thought were uh, 
general knowledge. We are not general knowledge as such. Hallelujah. Things that we thought we knew when we came into the message, we realized we absolutely knew nothing. Until such God came and revealed himself to us. Hallelujah. I guess most of us, when we came into the message, uh, before we came into the message, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost was not a big deal. But when we came into the message, we realized that it was a big deal. Hallelujah. And, and it made us wonder why the learned people could miss such simple things. Because when you came into the message after God had revealed it to you, you paused and said, but this was easy. But without revelation, it's not easy. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's why this morning, if we can speak and say, who is God? And if I can go around the room, uh, obviously because now you're in the message, you will give me proper answers. But before you were in the message, you were not going to give me proper answers. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, as we are speaking this morning, there's quite a lot of people that have gone to various churches where they preach about God, but they absolutely don't know who God is. Hallelujah. Because uh, knowing who God is, is not, is not so much based on general knowledge. He's got to come and reveal himself to you in a specific manner. And, uh, and I, 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 I've got the confidence this morning to say, Outside the channels of the message of the hour, you don't know who God is. Hallelujah. You, you might have heard about him. You might have spoken about him. You might have read about him, but you don't know who he is. Hallelujah. And, and why I'm saying that is because Brother Brenham speaks here in this message, the guide. He says, at the finishing of the seventh seal, the mystery of God should be finished. To know who God is. Hallelujah. Is it safe to say outside the revelation of the seventh seal, you don't know who God is? Hallelujah. Let, let me not uh, run ahead of myself. I'm getting excited here. He says, at the finishing of the seventh seal, the mystery of God should be finished. Firstly, to know who God is. What he is. How he lives. His nature. His being. Hallelujah. And I always say, the prophet says to know who God is and what he is. And I say, is there a difference between who he is and what he is? Yes, there is a difference. Hallelujah. Who he is does not change. He is an unchanging God. But what he is changes. Hallelujah. That's why if you meet him as a whirlwind, don't go around telling people that God is a whirlwind. Hallelujah. He manifests himself in different forms, but the essence of his character never changes. Hallelujah. And I always say, you've got to know him before the manifestation because the devil can copycat the manifestation, but he can never copycat his being. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if Abraham or, 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 or 
if if I'm just thinking here, if if he came as a will wind, you you can put a comma there and say God is a will wind. Because next time when he comes in a form of a pillar of fire, because now you are stuck to God being a will wind, you are going to miss him when he becomes the pillar of fire. And if you know him as the pillar of fire, the day he becomes the pillar of cloud, you are going to be confused because you have made him to be a pillar of fire. And the day he becomes a man, it is going to boggle your mind. Are we together? And and how do we how do we say how do we define a message believer, other than saying a message believer is a person that believes the message that God sent in their time. I want to, I want to flip it and say a message believer is the person that knows how God reveals himself during their time. Hallelujah. Because how he came to Moses, that's not the way he may came, come to you. Hallelujah. Because God is worshipped dispensationally. If he is a father, you know that he is going to become a son. And you know that he is going to become the Holy Ghost. So, but the people that know him before the manifestations, they will never be confused by the manifestations. That's why this morning you are not confused by Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Because you know him before he became the father. You know him before he became the son. You know him before he become the Holy Ghost. So no matter what office he takes, you are able to recognize him because you were with him before he occupied those offices. I'm simply saying that for you to know who God is, you must have been part of his origin. Hallelujah. You can never know God here on earth. You must have always known him and the way, the reason you are able to believe in him today is to confirm that you were with him to begin with. I, I, I'm not here, uh, and I think Brother Hannes will agree, as pastors we are not here trying to make people the children of God. Uh, we cannot make you the children of God. We've got no power to make you the children of God. But we've got the power to make sure that you snap out of your amnesia and remember where you come from. And then when that revelation strikes you, you say, I've always been a child of God. Are we together? Our responsibility is not to make people believe the message. Our responsibility is to make the message available. When it is available, the message by its nature, it's a DNA test. It, it's a paternity test. You can jump up and down and say, I'm a worshiper. It's fine. But wait until I present the message to you. And if you say no, it shows that to begin with, you're not a child of God. But if you're a child of God, I don't care how drunk you are. I don't care how far you have gone into sin. There is always that seed that is buried inside that will recognize the weight when the weight is being presented. And and I always say, God, I thank you. That you put something in me to respond to the call of God. There are people that see that the message is the truth. 
but they cannot come in. Why? They've got nothing in them to respond to the call of God. And that, 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 that sense that is there in a believer can never be put by a man. It was put by a God. Are, are, we, are we still together? And I've realized that for you to know yourself, you've got to know yourself. But your mother can't teach you who you are. Your teacher can never teach you who you are. How, how do you know who you are? The only way that you could know who you are is to know who God is. And you would understand why there is a correlation between how you should know yourself and how you should know God. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, when God wanted the botany life, the Bible says he spoke to the ground and said, it must bring forth. Hallelujah. When he wanted the marine life, he spoke to the water and said they must bring forth. Now, for the botany life to be sustained, it must be sustained on the ground. Because why? It must, it must, be, it must always be where it was spoken from for it to be sustainable. If you take the fish out of the water, it will never survive. Because that is not its place of origin. Because when God wanted it, he spoke to the water. So it must be in the water for it to be sustainable. Now, when God wanted you to come into existence, who did he speak to? With a botany life, he spoke to the ground. With a marine life, he spoke to the water. But when he wanted you to come into existence, he spoke to himself. Let us make man in our own image. And if the fish can never survive out of the water, and if the plant can never survive off ground, you can never survive outside of the Almighty God. Because God is your place of origin. And the gospel is here to reconnect you back to the place of your origin. So, it is, it is important for you to know who God is. His nature. His being. How he lives. And you can never know how he lives until he lives in you. Hallelujah. You can never comprehend his character unless it manifests itself through you. Actually, you can never know God until you become an embodiment of the God that we are speaking about. The God that we worship, Amen. for you to worship him in a true manner, you must worship him while he resides in you. Are we still together? Amen. Now we, can't, we read here how Paul came across uh, certain people and he said, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. I've looked at your devotions, I've found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. But it says, the very God that you are ignorant of, I'm here to declare him. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let, let us trace back and say, Amen. you must remember, he has not always been God. 
He became God. Hallelujah. And and I hope I'm speaking this morning to the people that know him before he became God. (laughs) Hallelujah. This is a different language. And and, and as we are speaking here, uh, it's not because we are clever. We thank God that God sent a Kentuckian man with a message. Without that man, I would not be speaking things that I'm speaking here. Hallelujah. You can, never, you can never get this from the seminary. You get this from the prophet. There was a time when God was not God. And he was Elohim. The self-existing one. This pulpit this morning is not self-existing. Hallelujah. Before it was a pulpit, it was a wood. And before it was a wood, maybe it was a lock. Before it was a lock, it was a tree. Before it was a tree, it was a seat. Before it was a seat, it was an atom. Before it was an atom, it was an attribute. Before it was an attribute, it was a thought in God's mind. You can trace it back. It's not self-existing. Hallelujah. So, as much as I trace the pulpit, I want to trace you this morning. But I can never trace you unless I trace you through your spiritual genealogy. And it will always point me right back to God. But I say, before he became God, he was the self-existing one. He, He was not created. He was just a being that was there. That, acu- that occupied space, time, and eternity. He, he was an eternal being. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and while he was there, the prophet comes and he says, and I, I thank God that God sent the prophet. Amen. Because when you read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Hallelujah. And when we were in the denomination, we thought that's where things started. But when we came into the message, we realized that before Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, there is John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now we realize that John chapter 1 came before Genesis chapter 1. Actually, John chapter 1 created Genesis chapter 1. Hallelujah. So, so, but here's something beautiful we have received a prophet that did not only go beyond... Moses was able to go to Genesis chapter 1 and document what he saw. And John was able to go beyond Genesis chapter 1 and documented what he saw. But we thank God in this age that there was a man who went back to the back part of the mind of Elohim. Hallelujah. And, and we are going to get into the quotation just to see you where you come from. And, and I, I tell you, it will excite you. It, it will make you be jubilant. And I can say, I don't know what troubles you this morning. I don't know what problems you have. But any other problem that you have came after Genesis chapter 3. And maybe you need to rejoice and say, I was there before Genesis chapter 3. So whatever problem that is there, 
Hallelujah. You were there before that problem was there. That's why when Job was troubled, God came to him and said, Job, where were you? He wanted to remind Job that before there was this sick body, Job, you were there. And this morning I want to say, whatever problems that you have, be it with the employer, you were there before the employer. Be it the disease, you were there before there was disease. Whatever is there, you were there before that thing. And I'm, me with confidence this morning, I can say, you were there before the table was there. Yes, you were there before the devil was there. When the devil was created, you were there as an attribute. Hallelujah. And this morning we would understand why did God create the devil? I, I, I've been complaining about the devil till one day, uh, uh, Brother Hannes, it just struck me that imagine if the devil was never created. I would have never known that I could be a victor. I would have never known that God is a, could be a healer. I would have never known that he could be a savior. I, I know things that angels don't know about. The angels, they don't know how to fight with the devil and overcome him. I know it. So until it struck me that actually God created the enemy so that the enemy can come and glorify himself and in the process glorify ourselves. You can never say you are a great policeman unless there is crime. When there is zero crime, we don't know who is a real policeman. Real criminals, they make real policemen to be elevated in the society. And we say, that guy is a general. That guy, he knows what he's doing. But it had to take the evil to bring him to, to the surface. Oh, you would have never known things that you know unless the devil was created. And don't be confused. This is a great drama that God has scripted. And if you are confused, come back to the script, which is the Bible. It will tell you how the drama will pan out. But one thing that I know about the script, it says when all is said and done, we are going to be victors. I, I don't care what we go through now, but when all is said and done, we are coming out of this generation as victors. It was predestinated by God and so shall it be. And the devil can never change that. Are we still together? Brother Branham in this message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Paragraph 102. He says now, God's great, God's secret mystery. He had before the world began. Now, back in the back part of God's mind, there was something that he was trying to achieve. What, what kind of a prophet did we receive in the end time? That can go and read the mind of God. And even search and saw God's ambitions when he was still there as Elohim. He said he had a motive in doing it. In order to let himself be expressed. First, there was not even a moon or a star or an atom or a molecule or anything. And he says he was God. But now he changes, he says, but he exactly, he exactly wasn't God at that time. Because God is an object of worship. There was nothing to worship him. 
An unmarried young man can never be a father. What makes him a father is when the children are here. Then it changes the status of the young man and makes him a father. If there were no people or there was nothing to worship him, he could not be God. He was Elohim. But when, when he had something, Brother Brahma says, the first thing that he created were angels. Then from that time, he became God. Hallelujah. Stay with me here. Now, he says, I'm still in the message, Christ is the mystery of God, revealed paragraph 141. The first thing was that God wanted to reveal himself to the people. He could not do it as a great Jehovah, God who covered all space, time, and eternity. He could not. He's too great to ever be revealed to people because it would be too mysterious. How could that great being that never did begin? That went beyond the cycle of hundreds of billions and trillions and trillions of years of light space and out into the infinity, into the eternity. A great creature that was all that. But what he wanted to do, he loved fatherhood. Hallelujah. The prophet looks at him when he was still this great Elohim. And he goes back at the back part of God. And it's such is God's ambition, it says, he wanted to reveal himself to the people. And I want to confirm that all the people that were in him, he is going to reveal himself to those people, no matter where they are. If you were in him, he is going to reveal himself to you. And he says, while he was in that manner, he goes back at the back part of him and he says, he loved fatherhood. He wanted to have children. Hallelujah. He admired fatherhood. It's one of his attributes. And you made him to be a father. Hallelujah. Are we together? You know, when he was there as Elohim, Brother Bram says he was like this great architect. And he had thoughts. Because when you, before you built this church, it was in somebody's mind. The very church is an expression of somebody's thought. Maybe you as a collective. Hallelujah. But first it had to be a thought. And thereafter it had to be the word. And thereafter it had to be expressed. But it can never be expressed unless it was a thought. And it can never be expressed unless it was the weight. So, even today, you, you're not just a bunch of flesh and bones. You, you are a thought of God made expressed. You were, you were in his mind as a thought. And I always say, a thought of God is not an idea. Because when we speak about the mind of God, we're not speaking about a bunch of brain cells. God is a spirit. Hallelujah. A mind of God is a dimension on its own. Hallelujah. How do I know that? Brother Brenham says, the lamp was laying in the mind of God. And he says, in the message, the serpent seat, he says, when he says to Job, where were you? When the sons of God shouted and the the, the morning stars sang, where were you? Brother Brenham says, that was exactly the same time when the lamp was slain. Hallelujah. So there was Calvary before there was physical Calvary. 
There was a spirit, your spiritual body before there was a physical body. Hallelujah. So there was you before there was you. Hallelujah. So the gospel is here to introduce, to say to you, what you thought you were, you are not exactly that. There is, there is another being in you that rotated of God. You are a dual being this morning. There is a physical structure and there is a spiritual structure. The physical being, your relatives can claim it and say, that's our brother. That's our sister. And when you die, they can take it and bury it. But there is a certain part that your relatives shall never claim. There is a certain part that they can never bury. There is a certain part that was never born. And that part rotated out of this great Elohim that I'm speaking about. This is before he became God. This is before he was worshipped. While he was Elohim, you were in him. And the prophet said, he loved Father Wood. Before the Bible school, before there was a Bible school, before there was a denomination, you were there as a worshiper in the bosom of Elohim. Hallelujah. Your sons and daughters that you see, they were in your loins. Today you are able to fellowship with them, but they, were, they have always been there. You have always been in him. And Brother Branham say, this Elohim, I'll read one quotation here. He says, out of him came out a, a, a light. A halo that came out of him. And that light, when it came out, Brother Branham say, it was not a second person. But it was the invisible God coming into the visible form. You, you must know the script so that you can never be confused. Amen. I always say, when, 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 we, when the kids play a drama on stage, and maybe there is a big curtain behind, if there is a good kid that is a good uh, actor, the teacher might, as, might say to you, the, uh, 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 that boy and say, I want you to play two roles. I want you to come there on the stage and play a role of a father. And I want you to come back and play a role of a pastor. Hallelujah. Maybe there's a huge curtain. But the child can never play two roles on the, same, on the stage at the same time. Amen. What must happen? The child must go backstage and change the costume and come back as a pastor if he had acted as a father before. But the people that are in the audience that do not know the boy, they are going to confuse the boy and make them to be two. Because they don't know the boy. Amen. But those that know the boy, they would know that, no, it was James that came as a father. It was James that came back as a pastor. It's the same person in different roles. The reason you are not confused by Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is not because you are clever. It's because when God was there as Elohim, you were there. And when that ball of light came out of him, he was there. And knew that it was not the second person, but it was the invisible God coming into the visible form. And Brother Abraham says, he calls it the Logos. Uh, you know, I was satisfied when I read Brother Brenham. This one, I think I've got to read it because it blesses me so much. Hallelujah. Hope I get it to hear on my nose quickly when Brother Bram speaks about this logos. Okay, 
Let's read his question and answers on Genesis. He says, let us go back. A hundred million years before there ever was a star, moon, or anything in the world. There was a time when there wasn't nothing there. It was just all forever and eternity. And all ever and eternity was God. He was there in the beginning. He said, let's go out here on the edge of this banister and look over and see things happen. You know what makes Brother Brenham to be, and, and that is why you can never, ever outgrow a dispensational prophet. Brother Brenham, the reason he was able to come and preach is not because he was a good reader. Things that he spoke to the church were not, were not just a bunch of literature. He, he was able to go and see things that happened. How do I know? Who, who have you ever heard said, serpent, the serpent was more handsome than Adam? Is it written in the Bible? Somebody saw the serpent. And somebody saw Adam. And saw that the serpent was more handsome than Adam. So, brother, brother, the things that he preached is the things that he saw. And that is why he says here, let us go on the edge of this banister and look over and see these things happened. But he says now, no man has seen the Father at any time. You must contextualize the scriptures. Don't go around saying no one has ever seen the Father. Hallelujah. Go further and say in time. Hallelujah. You can never have a Father that you have never seen. But he says no one has seen the Father in time. But in eternity, if you're an eternal being, you saw the Father. Are are you here with me? No man can see God in the bodily form. Because God is not in a body form. God is a spirit. Hallelujah. Now, he says, there was no light, there was no darkness, there was nothing. But in there is a great supernatural being. Jehovah God, who covered all space of all places at all times. He was from everlasting to everlasting. You can't see nothing. You can't hear nothing. Not a move of an atom in the air or nothing. But yet God was there. And now, after a while, I begin to see a little sacred light begin to form like a little halo or something, you could only see it by supernatural eyes to look now. It ties with what I said, you can never see God in time. He says, no one has seen the Father in time. But he says, if you've got supernatural eyes, you can see Him. Hallelujah. If, if what you are is just a body, you can never see Him. But if... The, To you, there is that supernatural part. It can see the supernatural God. He says, now, the next thing we begin to see, by eyes of supernatural looking, we see a little white light forming out there. What is that? The Bible readers call it the logos. The anointing. I was going to say, the part of God began to develop into something 
So human beings could have some type of an idea what it was. Hallelujah. Because as a great Jehovah, he could not reveal himself to the people in that manner. He's too mysterious. But now he began to call descent into this halo to give the human being some type of an idea of who he is. The invisible God coming into the visible form. But here's something that you're going to love. Brother Bram says that Logos has got a part. And that part is the, is the bride. What does it mean? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Even part of that word, in the beginning when the word was with God, I was there. And when the word was God, I was there. And when the word was made flesh, I was there. Brother Bram said the bride and the groom were separated on the cross. But they've always been together. When that Roman soldier performed the operation, that's where we were separated. But when he was the word, I was there. When he was with God, I was there. When he was God, I was there. Are you here? Hallelujah. Now the prophet says, after he had created angels, then they began to worship him. Then he became God. Hallelujah. And then after we see him in Genesis, he says, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And the attribute, which was Adam, it dropped it down further and expressed itself in a spiritual form. Because if he said, let us make men in our own image, God is a spirit. That means the, the man that he had created was a spirit man. And that is why a lot of people, if you read the Bible like a, a newspaper, you're going to have a problem. You need a prophetic eyes to read the Bible. Because Genesis chapter 1 says, then he created he male and female. But Genesis chapter 2 says, there was no man to till the ground. And you can say the Bible contradicts itself. No. The first man was a spiritual man. He could not plow. He was a spirit being. Hallelujah. Then the second man, the Bible says, out of the dust of the earth, God formed a man. Hallelujah. And breathed into him. And man became a living soul. What happened today? God took the Genesis chapter man and he put him into the Genesis chapter 2 man. And that's why Paul says the outward man perishes. But the inward man is renewed daily. There is a part that comes from the dust. But there is a part that comes from God. And, and the prophet said, after he had created men and made them male and female. He says right there he became Jehovah. Because Jehovah it means he that is with his family. Hallelujah. From Elohim to God to Jehovah. So he was just exploring all these attributes that were in him. And once he had his family and the beauty in the Garden of Eden, Brother Branham called it a masterpiece. Whenever Adam or whenever God wanted to look at himself, Adam was the mirror. Because he was made in the image of God after the likeness of God. And if Adam wanted to look at himself, he had to go and look at Eve. Because Eve was the further extension of Adam. Was Adam expressed in a female form? 
So he, he, there was no mirror. Adam's mirror was Eve. Eve's mirror was Adam. Adam's mirror was God. But the enemy came and broke that mirror. Because now there was a, a war that broke out in heaven between Michael and Lucifer. And the Bible says Lucifer was kicked out. And there remains no place for him there. And that's why I can confirm that Lucifer is not redeemable. He's got no place to be redeemed back to. But when he came down, we know he looked in the Garden of Eden and identified an animal and incarnated himself in that animal, which was called the serpent. And the snake and the serpent is not the same thing. The snake is a crawling reptile, but a serpent is an upright being that can speak, that had reasoning capacity, that can convince. I always say Lucifer was the right hand man of God in heaven. That's what the prophet says. And the serpent was the right hand man of Adam here. Because the only animal that could understand when Adam spoke was the serpent. If he wanted to praise God and say, we thank God, the only animal that could comprehend that was the serpent. So, one right hand man fell there and got into another right hand man here. But check it out here. Brother Bram said, if Eve had stayed with Adam, she was not going to be deceived. And in the end time I say, if you stay with the prophet, I don't care what the internet says, you shall never be deceived. Because Adam would have known that, okay, I have spoken to serpent many a times, but today there is another spirit. And we see that that spoiled God's masterpiece. And from that time, a man became a wanderer. Did not know who God is. Hallelujah. Until God threw out. He came in different forms to try to reconcile men back to himself. Hallelujah. And now we see Isaiah speaking and say, Behold, a vision shall conceive. How do you interpret that? Don't interpret what God has spoken. The best interpretation for God's words is its fulfillment. And now we see Mary, she conceived, and what she conceived was of the Holy Ghost. And now a child was born, and they named him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the child grew. Amen. Impressed the people. The way he spoke with wisdom. Hallelujah. Amen. It was the tabernacle that was spoken of. And this morning I want to say, that tabernacle was not God. But God stayed in the tabernacle. Amen. You know why I'm making like that? Because God can never learn how to speak. But Mary had to teach Jesus how to speak. Hallelujah. Uh, God can never be born, but the, tab- the temple was born. God can never die, but the temple died. It was not enough to know him as Jesus. You had to know what was in him. Now we see him growing. I'm taking you somewhere. 
Then we see John coming and say, the Messiah is coming. Come out of your denominations. The Messiah is coming. I'm here to introduce the Messiah. He was a mighty man. He disturbed the religious community during his time. The Messiah is coming. I'm here to introduce him. You know what happened? At River Jordan, he sees heaven opening. And he sees out of heaven the supernatural, the spirit of God in the form of a dove coming out. Speaking and saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. And from that time, John had to say, Jesus is the Messiah. When you read it in the Bible, it sounds easy, but it was not easy because Jesus and John were relatives. They were cousins. So imagine somebody takes you out of their church and thereafter say, I introduce the Messiah and he introduces his cousin. If it was today, it will split a message church. We are not going to go to church anymore. That's a family church. We left our churches thinking that he'll introduce the Messiah. He introduces his cousin. You know, when God wants to catch the predestinated seed, he does not make things easier. You had to know Jesus by revelation. And I believe many might have left and said, no, but he lied. Here, here is in, in, the, in the scroll, we read, I've written the notes. He said he did not know who Messiah was. But yet he crawled with the same Messiah. Yet their, 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 their parents are relatives. Then how did he tell the church that they were not? I'm just painting a picture that the message, the people that left the message today, that are going and say, Brother Bram said this, Brother Bram said that. They were going to live during the time of Jesus. Because to stay, you had to have a revelation. And the Bible says only two of John's disciples had him when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And they followed Jesus. What happened to the rest? They must have, if there was Google during that time, they will print something on Google. And that's why you young ones, you must know, in the beginning was not Google. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. This is before there was Google. Because Google has become a, a, a God in the end time. Are we together? Then from there, then they followed Jesus. So imagine the Pharisees and the priests and the Sadducees and all those scribes they had known and read about God. They had spoken about him, written about him, looked at the scrolls of Moses. Imagine for them to know that the God that their forefathers were worshipping has now come into a being called Jesus. You must remember, the devil is fine if we make him the God of heaven. But when you make that same God and he becomes a resident, hallelujah, and you you see him in a body flesh, he's got a problem. And what was the ministry of William Branham in the end time? It was to take the heavenly God and bring him down into a human flesh. And that's why we saw him coming into the service. 
He turns his back and he says, As Melchizedek turned his back, I turn my back. There is a woman at the back. She's wearing such and such top. She's not from here. Her name is such and such. What was happening? The same God that went to Abraham and said, Where is thy wife Sarah? Had returned in the end time, but with a different veil. The veil of the prophet. William Branham was a veil in the end time. Now you had to tell the old priest and say, The God that you are preaching about, I know where he stays. And, and you invite him to come where Jesus is. He finds that Jesus is hungry. How can God be hungry? It still confuses the Muslims in the end time. Because they don't understand that he was a dual being. When he was a child, he was a man. But when he stood up and said, Use the storm, be still. He was more than a man. When he was hungry, he was a man. But when he went to the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And creation listened to the creator. He was more than a man. But here's something beautiful. He will always trace the predestinated seat. Here is a Samaritan woman, a woman with a, with a, with a broken background. Churches disowned her. You wouldn't want the Samaritan woman to be next to your wife. Goodness, let alone next to your husband. She snatched them and snatched them very fast. But you look at the priest, he was a good man. When a baby was born, who blessed the baby? The priest. When your mom and dad had a problem, who did you call? The priest. When the death struck the family, who you, did you call? The priest. And here is a Samaritan woman. Ill, a woman with, with bad reputation. But when that Elohim became flesh, the Bible says he had to go by the way of Samaria. What was the attraction? What made him to go by the way of Samaria? What made him to bypass other ways? It's because there was a predestinated woman. When you looked at her, she was a prostitute. But when you looked at her origin, she was a daughter of Abraham. Don't judge the book by its cover. But when he came in front of that woman and said, give me the water to drink. Say, no, it is not customary that we, the Samaritans, could have this kind of conversations with the Jews. Brother Branham says, that conversation was to locate her spirit. That conversation was to locate her origin. Because where he, where Jesus, his origin, where he came from, he shared the origin with a Samaritan woman. And today, the reason I'm tracing you, I cannot trace you in a church. I must locate you some hundreds of billions years ago, before there was moon, before there was atom. And if I find you there, I will find you here. 
And if you believe to that, you will believe here. William, we didn't believe that William Branham is a prophet when we heard about him when they sent us a spoken word. No! We were with him in God's mind. And when God predestinated this, the, the attributes and said, you will come in this generation. You and I were predestined to come in the end time with our prophet. And that's why when he comes to you and says, good evening friends, something in you moves. Why is it moving? It's because you are with him in eternity. I heard a testimony of a young girl in our church. She just came from the Pentecostals. She was sharing a, a, a room with a sister from our church. And she says, you know, one week after we had met and, and, and they began to share that room, he says, I saw this sister. He was reading the spoken word, and there was a picture of Brother Brandon. And said, I went to, she said, she went to the sister and said, I know this man. And the sister said, How do you know this man? Where do you? She says, This man is dead. He's late. She says, No, but I know him. An unbeliever with earrings and makeup and say, But I know this man. Where do you know? No. I know him. I don't know why I've met him, but I know him. What did he preach? And she says, this is what she preaches. I'm coming with you to church. By next Sunday, she was baptized. Amen. What happened? Where did, she, where did this woman have theophany? Yeah. <laughs> met Brother Brennan before the foundation of the world. Amen. Those that are meant to come shall come. Amen. And those that were never meant to come shall never stay. It's not our doing, it's God's doing. And he did it before the foundation of the world. Are you still with me? And now we see Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman and says, give me the water. She says, no, we cannot have this conversation, it's not customary. For us as Samaritans to have these conversations with the Jews. It says, if you knew. If you knew. Right. Hallelujah. Yeah. If you only know who is speaking to you. Right. Hallelujah. You just see a Jew, but I am not a Jew. Yeah. And she looked at him. And he says, I need the water that you speak about says, go and get your husband. She was staying with the sixth one. Says, I don't have a husband. Says, that's true because you have left others, but you are staying within the, the sixth one. Did you hear what she said? It moved from her marital affairs. It moved from her personal life. And she said, say, I perceive that thou art Christ. Was it, the gospel was not being preached. She was just, he was just telling her what, that how messed up she was. But, but I want to take it further and say, maybe could it be that when this woman looked in the eyes of Jesus, as much as her background was broken, but she could see the love 
that she had never experienced throughout her life. And say, how could such a man know such things about me but still have such love? Say, I perceive that thou art Christ. Hallelujah. And Christ said, I am he. What did she say? We know. We know that when the Messiah cometh, he will tell us all things. That woman was in a better position than the priest in the temple. But yet she was a prostitute. The priest saw the same man and called him Belizebub. But a prostitute saw the same man and said, I perceive that thou art the prophet. We know that when the Messiah cometh, he will tell us all these things. There is only one man that can know me in this way. is God himself. Hallelujah. Then she knew who she was worshipping. Peter, with the disciples, they were moving around. And Jesus turns around and says, Who do you men say I am? After we've been with you for a while, who do you men say I am? And they say, Yeah, we. We read, they say, You are Jeremiah, you are Isaiah, you are this. Then he turns around and says, But who do you say I am? Asking the people inside the cycle, Who do you say I am? And Peter stood there looked at him and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. It was not a problem to call him Jesus, but it was a problem to call him Christ. Because to call him Christ, it was to bring the deity to humanity. And that's what the religious leaders had a problem with. And when Jesus turned and looked at Peter and said, Peter, this revelation does not come from your intelligence. But the Father revealed this to you. And later he said, tell no man. Anybody says, upon this rock, upon this revelation, I shall build my church. And this morning, everyone that must worship this God must know him the way Peter knew him. Must receive the same revelation. Because upon this revelation, I shall build my church. And the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the greatest revelation amongst all them. You've got to know him. Because if you don't know him, you will not know what to worship. Because anything can be a God. Your car can become a God. Your job can become a God. Money can become a God. But there is only one Elohim. You've got to have known him before he became God to worship him as God. And if you have a relationship with him as Elohim, nothing is going to change that relationship. Are we together? Brother Branham says here in the message the unveiling of God, paragraph 82. Who is this great unseen person? Who is this that Abraham saw in visions? 
He was manifested in flesh. God himself came to Abraham in the form of a man. You remember Abraham one morning? He saw three balls of light and they became human beings. And they started walking. And one of them was God himself. Elohim. He looked so ordinary. You couldn't tell that it was God. He took a body. I don't know. However way they dressed during that time, he must have dressed that way. And went to the house of Abraham. But Abraham, the reason he could recognize him, he saw him before he stepped into the body. And when they came to the house of Abraham, he was sitting there and two went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And when they were sitting there, Abraham and God sitting face to face, having lunch. That's how personal God can be. And Abraham knowing that, the God of our forefathers, the God that called me, is here eating lunch with me. I, I don't know what remarks he must have made. Maybe he must have said, the, oh, the lamp, the lamp is delicious. And the people that must have gone past to the house of Abraham, they must have looked and just saw Abraham speaking to another man. But they did not know that it was a godly visitation. But Abraham knew that he is not just a man. He is expressing himself as a man, but he is Jehovah. That's why he could call him my Lord. And let me tell you, this God is in partnership with you. He said, I cannot go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah without speaking to my partner first. And say, I'm here, Abraham, because the sins of Sodom have reached me. And I'm here to destroy them. And Abraham said, no, Lord. What if there are hundred rushes? And God was sitting there and said, look, maybe I will reconsider. That was a discussion. And when I look at the conversation of Abraham and Elohim, it makes me to be comfortable that if your loved ones are still out there, God shall never destroy the world till he comes to you and say, I'm on my way there. Then you can say, oh God, remember my son, remember my daughter. God will give you an opportunity to say that. I'd wonder if Sodom and Gomorrah would have known what was taking place there. Abraham standing in the camp, talking face to face with God. And God said, where is your wife, Sarah? Because he had a woman on his mind. A church on his mind. Where is Sarah, thy wife? She's behind you in the tent. Say, according to the time of life, I shall return. And Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And in her tent, in her heart, she laughed. Brother Abraham said, God would have struck her dead. But she, he could not do that because Sarah was part of Abraham. God would have destroyed Eve. But he could not because Eve was part of Adam. God could have destroyed you. But the reason he could not destroy you, you are part of Christ. Are you here this morning? Amen. That sacrificial love. 
And God went away. And Brother Branham says, where are we in this Abrahamic age? If it is an Abrahamic age, I expect to see the same manifestation. I expect to see God in flesh. And I'm glad T.L. Osborne caught it. T.L. Osborne caught it as a Pentecostal. He says, we have seen God, Jesus Christ, in the streets of Phoenix. We have seen Jesus Christ in the streets of Ohio. What was happening? William Marion Brennan became the veil of Christ in the end time. And this morning, William Brennan is not here. Who is the veil of Christ? The bride of Jesus Christ. The people that I'm speaking to are veiling Christ. People, when they, we speak about Jesus, Brother Bram says, he looks like Hoffman. Hallelujah. But he says, if he comes to me in a form of a Hoffman, he says, I will reject him. Go and read it in the message to the spiritual food in Judaism. He says, no, 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 no. I will reject him. But he says, if he comes in the form of my brother, if he comes in the form of my sister, I will accept him. It was a veil during that time, but you are a veil during our time. That's why you've got to love your brother, you've got to love your sister. When you do that, you love Christ. Because he has veiled himself in them. Doesn't it make you feel better this morning? When he was here, they saw him. They couldn't see you. But you were in him. When he walked on the shores of Galilee, you were there. That's what the prophet said. You were there. When he was taken to Golgotha, you were there. And when he was hanging on the cross, you were there. You are a partner in this redemptive process. And when the Roman soldier took out that spear and pierced his side, you came by his side. You are a spirit of his spirit. Revelation of his revelation. There, they could not see you. They saw him. Today, they cannot see him. They see you. There, he veiled you. Today, you veil him. Hallelujah. We are are very much thankful. It's a privilege to be a message believer. Deem it a grand privilege to be a message believer. The message is not a bunch of literature. It is the revelation of the son of man. And you are feeding on the son of man. And uh, as they say, you become what you eat. If you eat junk, you become junk. If you eat the weight, what do you become? If you eat Christ, what do you become? Keep on eating Christ. The more you eat him, the more you become him. And don't be troubled. Now you've got to know who your God is. Your God is not Allah. No. No. Before you tell me about your God, I need to trace your God. And if you get stuck somewhere, if your God is a tree, obviously you will get stuck somewhere. Then I'll tell you that, no, I cannot worship something that I can trace and say, this way it started. No. I must go 
I must go. Hallelujah. If you worship the sun, what was before the sun? If you worship the earth, what was before the earth? If you worship ancestors, what was before ancestors? I must keep on going. I must keep on going. And if I can trace you where you started, I go beyond. But there is only one God. That you will never trace beyond. You can trace him up to a point and you stop. And that is Elohim. He was there by himself. And that Elohim, the mystery is that that Elohim, he, he, he condescended till he became a human being. To come and die for you. Are you not thankful? He could have stayed in the corridors of eternity, but he became a body of flesh. And he was mishandled, manhandled. What made him to do that? Love constrained him. They captured him. He had a power to speak the word. And things would happen. But he couldn't save himself. Because he wanted to save you. That's, that's how much you mean to him. Amen. And if you appreciate him, give him your life. He's looking for you to lay down your life before him. And say, Lord, this is me. I give my all to you. Without you, I'm nothing. When I remember where, what you did for me. Amen. And even sent you a prophet and confirmed the ministry with a pillar of fire. That's the God that we want to introduce. Amen. And young people, let me tell you something. This God, once you accept him and worship him, and you give your life to him, he will do the miracles in your life. There's not even, the temptations that we see in the end time are nothing compared to this God. Stop comparing the devil with yourself. Compare him with God. And you'll realize that the devil is nothing. We are very much thankful for the message of the hour. God bless you richly. Amen. Let's stand upon our feet. Amen. I let's give the Lord another mighty hand. Amen and amen. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Really appreciate the Lord this morning. I want to sing that song in the presence of Jehovah. You know, that's what it's about as the musicians come. When you get into that presence, it is just a life-changing experience. And it's wonderful to know where we come from. It's wonderful to know where we're going. And it's as the brother preached, it's all about identification. You have to find your identification. And when you find that identification, no man can take it from you. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter who, where they come from. If you know who your father is, they can tell you many things, but nobody can change the fact. And that is what we are today, that we know where we come from. We know where we're going. And by the grace of God, we can look up to him and say, Lord, it is not by our goodness. It is not by our, our lineage. It is by grace that you had us in your mind. That you made us part of your plan. 
and that you can come and that you can look for us. Remember, the word is looking for his own attributes. It's not looking for anything else. Let's sing that song. In the presence of the Lord, there is love. And I agree with our brother, when that woman at the well met him, she moved into the presence, and there was love. And in the presence of the Lord, there is peace. What do you think she was looking for? She had a look, she had a desire, she had a deep calling unto the deep to experience true love, to experience peace. Amen? In the presence of the Lord, there is healing. She had a deep, hungering cry. Lord, heal this broken body. Amen? And I stand in your presence with my heart. Let's sing it to the glory of God. So we raise our hands to Him. Make it a prayer. Amen. In the presence of the Lord there is love. In the presence of the Lord there is peace. In the presence of the Lord there is healing. Lord, I stand. Hey, Lord, I love you. 
God we serve. Amen. I love what the brother said. You cannot compare the devil to yourself. You have to compare him to God. Amen. And if you compare him to God, he's nothing. He's a bluff. Like I said to the young people at university on Friday night, David said, if I walk through the shadow of death, what is a shadow? Are you scared of a shadow? If, a dog, if there's a shadow of a dog on the wall, where's Sister Patience? Will she run? She's very scared of a dog. But I'm sure if there's a shadow of a dog, she will walk right past it. And it's the same with the devil. You should not never be scared of him. There is nothing in him. Your God is a powerful God. Your God is a mighty God. Your God is the only God. Besides him, there is no other gods. And therefore, we can look up to him this morning and say, Lord, thank you that you are the great I am. Thank you, Lord, that you became flesh. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of the Son of Man. Amen. What a mighty message we have received in the end time. Let's sing that little song, Casting All My Cares On You.
Amen. Because I know that you love me. It's one thing we need to understand and to know that the Lord loves us. That he cares about us. That he is more concerned about us than we can ever realize. Amen. So I'm casting all my cares on you. Lord, I know that you love me. Redemption by blood. It is the greatest love story. He loved you when you were unlovable. Amen. When you were in sin, when you were lost, he still loved you. Because he knew what was inside of you. He knew the qualities. He knew that there's a seed, there's a life, predestinated seed. Amen. Let's sing it to the glory of God. So I'm casting all my cares on you. And my Lord, Lord, I know that you love me. Seven angels in the cloud Oh, testify That my day Is no longer dead It's risen And it's coming It's coming back for you and me Oh, my Lord So I'm casting All my cares on you And my Lord Lord, I know That you love me Redemption, redemption by blood is the greatest, the greatest love story. Oh, yes, for restoration by redemption. That's what seven angels in the cloud will testify. Redeemer is no longer dead, is risen, and is coming back for you and me. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. You believe that? My, we just love our Lord. He's so beautiful. You just want to look to Him forever. That's why when you come into His presence, you never want to leave that presence. It is such a sweet anointing. 
My, and I wonder how Abram felt that day. So brother beautifully put it. They had that lunch together. They had that fellowship, discussions. I'm sure Abram tried to keep him there as long as possible. I'm sure his motive was, honey, don't be quick with the food. Take it slow. Amen. Try, I'm trying, I'm try, I must keep him here. You will never try and push him out. But when he's close, just try and keep him there. Say, Lord, don't leave me. And you have a promise today. He says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. But I'll be with you even in you till the end of this world. And I'm going to pray for us as we close this meeting. And I want you to raise your hand if you have a special need today. To your God. You've heard about him this morning. You've heard the character, the beauty, the power, the caring, the love. And therefore, by that motion, by that, by that knowing, by that revelation of who your God is, you can raise your hand to him. To say, Lord, I lift my hand to thee with my petition today. Lord, I have an absolute faith and an assurance and a knowing in my heart that I know you are God, that you are my Savior, and that you have become personal to me. Lord, I'm approaching you in that fashion by the knowing, by the revelation. And then I'm asking of you today, Lord, to undertake in my special need. Father, we stand in thy mighty presence today. And Lord, we first of all want to declare this day that we love you. We want to declare, Lord, that by raising of our hands today, we appreciate you, Lord. We want to declare as a public confession that we appreciate and love you forever and ever. Lord, we want to declare this morning that there's no God like thee. We want to say, Lord, thou art powerful, almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent. Thou art Jehovah, thou art mighty. Thou, besides thee, there is none, O God. And we come to thee and we know, Lord, that that great God has come down in the end time to become flesh again, to reveal the word in this time that we, O God, have a hope, O Lord, that we have an open vision, that we have an open book, that we have an open mind of God to understand the way, the time, the season. Lord, that we are like the mighty men of David that knew the times, that knew the seasons, that knew this is the time of Jehovah. This is the time that God can come and take all power into His hands. Lord, we come to Thee today and we raise our hands to Thee. Lord, behind every hand there's a special need today and we want to bring those needs by faith to Thy great throne of grace this morning. And we want to say, Lord, we want your spirit, Father God, to discern those needs, O Lord, and just to manifest and deliver whatever your people have a need of this morning, Lord. More, Lord, it can be healing. Lord, you have paid for every healing price already. Lord, we're not coming this morning asking for a new thing. We are coming to asking something that has already been given to us by the power and the demonstration of a living God. You said,
said, by your stripes we are healed, God. And therefore this morning we only raise our hands, accepting our healing, O God. Saying, Lord, we believe that we are healed. Lord, if we are cast down this morning, we lift our hands to thee. To say, Lord, lift our spirits up, O God. Like David would say, he restoreth my soul. Lord, may you restore the joy of our salvation. May you, O Father God, quicken the fire in your people. May the wind of revival blow across our lives again that we can stand and know that, O Lord, we are more than conquerors, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we know every, O God, spoken and unspoken request is known unto thee, O Father. I pray for the young people, O God. I pray for the old people, O Lord. I pray for the middle I pray for everyone, O God. We are all in need of thy grace this morning. There is not one standing in this building this morning that does not need thee. And we need thee more and more as the days come closer, O God. But we know you said you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll be with us even in us, O God. And therefore we are speaking to thee this morning, O Lord, with that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Lord, we are standing this morning, people excited by thy word, people excited by thy presence, people excited to know what's going to happen next. We're going to go conquer every enemy, Father. And we love you this morning. And we want to yield our needs to thee. And we want to pray that you will bless your people, Lord. That you will grant them grace. And that you will undertake for every special need this morning. And that we will go out of this building, O Father God, with a testimony upon our mouths. That my God is a good God. My God is a mighty God. And he has undertaken for me in my unique circumstances, O Lord. Lord, we commit the people to thee. We want to pray for the minister that you used so mightily this morning. May you restore the virtue that has gone from him, O God. May you bless his wife, his children, Lord. May you bless his church back home, O God. May you grant him his heart's desire too, O Lord. And may, O Father, you refresh and quicken him again. Lord, we love him, we appreciate him, and we commit him to thee for a blessing upon his life. As, Father, we're going to leave this building now. We will ask you to go with us. May your presence never leave us, O Lord, as we commit ourselves to thee, asking these blessings in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. You love the Lord? What a mighty God we serve. We want to say to our brother, thank you, brother, that you were willing to stand in the gap, that you could step aside, that the Lord could speak through our brother. We really appreciate it. May God bless you. And take greetings back to the saints there. Tell them we love them. We appreciate them. And thank them for letting you come. Amen. We really appreciate that. Just one or two announcements before we go. Um, Remember, tonight is our communion service at 5 o'clock here at the church. You are welcome. We will be gathering here together around the table. And then uh, Saturday, 27 August, we will have our youth day at the church here. So please don't forget about those uh, meetings that we're going to have. And uh, let's pray for one another. Let's love the Lord. Let's love one another. Let's appreciate what the Lord has done in our day. It is a mighty work. Not just another, a mighty work. We appreciate the Lord for that. May God bless you and uh, may he keep you. You are dismissed. Amen.